That's the classic comedy routine, who's on first, from a, a comedy duo called Abbott and Costello from way back in the 1940s or so. And it's funny because they are, even though they're speaking the same language, they are completely misunderstanding each other. Costello has no idea what Abbott is talking about and gets increasingly frustrated about it. But that kind of misunderstanding doesn't just happen in comedy sketches. Last week we saw how Paul was committed to his mission that God gave him of preaching in Corinth the message of the gospel. And as a result, some people accepted this message and they were brought into the church of God. But tragically, there were many who did not understand it. They ridiculed it. They rejected it. But why was that? Paul, the apostle, was a skilled and gifted preacher. And he faithfully preached the gospel. So why did some people eagerly accept it and believe in it, while other people just couldn't understand it at all? They just couldn't get their heads around it at all. Well, in this next section of of 1 Corinthians, Paul explained the reason behind this. He'll tell us that it's because the gospel of God can only be understood through the revelation of the Spirit of God. So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning, verse 6 down to verse 16. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written... No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For, the, though, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. As we saw last week, when Paul arrived in Corinth, he said he did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom. He was not like the travelling philosophers that were so popular in Corinth at that time. He didn't use human ingenuity or education or wisdom to show off how clever he was and to try and persuade people to believe in what he was saying. 
But that wasn't because Paul was rejecting all kinds of wisdom. It was just that he was rejecting some kinds of wisdom. Paul refused to speak of the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. The wisdom of this age is what the world thinks is right and true and clever. It reflects the beliefs and the values and the priorities and the ambitions of this world as it stands in rebellion against God. And it comes, Paul says, from the rulers of this age. Now, some people think that Paul here is talking about the government leaders that had rejected Jesus. People like uh, the chief priests or the, the teachers of the law or Herod or Pilate. They had a huge influence on their generation as it stood opposed to Jesus. But maybe Paul was also referring here to the spiritual rulers of his age. Satan and his demonic forces, they were at work behind these human rulers. Maybe you remember in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, we do not, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So Paul, he refused to follow or use the thoughts and the ideas of his generation because he knew that it came from people who were living in rebellion against God and ultimately it came from Satan in his complete and total opposition to God. And because Paul understood where this wisdom was coming from, he knew that it was flawed. He knew that the human wisdom, the wisdom of this age, was flawed. <coughs> Excuse me. So people today, they have an incredible hunger and capacity for learning in all sorts of areas. And all sorts of amazing things. And because of this modern technology that we have, our ability to produce and access information today is incredible. It's greater than ever before. So I read that Google, they process something like 3.5 billion searches every single day. 350 million photographs are, are uploaded to Facebook every day. 500 million tweets are made every day. And through all of this, 2.5 million terabytes of data are produced by human beings every single day. That massive amount of data. In fact, of all of the data that has been produced in this world over all of the centuries, 90% of that data has been produced in the last two years. That just shows how this, this amount of data is just accelerating. That we're just producing vast amounts these days more than ever before. But despite all of this massive amount of information, the wisdom of this age of this world is flawed. 
Despite all of the knowledge and the learning, this world is ignorant. There is so much that this world just doesn't know. Paul said that the, this world doesn't understand God's wisdom. None of, the, uh, none of the rulers of this age understood it, he said in verse 8. This world just doesn't get God's thinking. And because of this, it didn't understand the cross. That's clear because Paul says, verse 8 again, if they had, then they would never have, have crucified the Lord of glory. Herod and Pilate and the Jewish leadership, they all conspired together to put Jesus to death on a cross. But unknown to them, as the the, the apostles prayed to God in their prayer in Acts chapter 4, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. These these leaders, the Jewish and the Roman leaders, they were trying to rid themselves of someone that they saw as a threat to their position and to their power. But they had no idea that in doing this, they were actually fulfilling God's plan of salvation. Unknown to them, they were ensuring that Jesus would be glorified through his death, when he paid the price of our redemption. And maybe Paul was actually saying that was true of Satan as well. Ever since Jesus was born, Satan had tried to kill him. And he was working behind the scenes of the whole the whole incidence of the cross. If you remember in Luke chapter 22, it says in verse 3, Satan entered Judas, and Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. So Satan was, was influencing behind the scenes, influencing people to make those decisions that led to Jesus going to the cross. And so when Jesus died on the cross, it's really true that Satan thought that that was God's greatest defeat. Satan didn't understand that that the cross was actually God's greatest victory and Satan's ultimate defeat. Speaking of of Jesus, Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So the the human leaders didn't understand the cross. Satan didn't understand the cross. And still today, the world does not understand the cross. Remember we looked at this verse a couple of weeks ago in 1 Corinthians 1 and 18. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It looks like a meaningless and empty defeat to them. So the world does not understand God's wisdom and the world does not understand God's plan of salvation. 
And so it doesn't understand the future. It doesn't understand the future of God's people. Quoting from Isaiah, Paul said in verse 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. The world thinks that Christians are missing out on life to the full because they are following Jesus. They ridicule us because they are, we are not enjoying the pleasures and fun of just living, the, of doing whatever we feel like doing, of living life our own way. Because they don't think there's anything to be gained by loving God. But that's just because they can't see, they can't hear, they can't comprehend what God has planned for those who love him. Our future glory is beyond their natural senses. It's hidden from them. But it's not just our future that's hidden from them. It's not just our future they don't understand. Sadly, they don't understand their own. Paul said here that the rulers of this age are coming to nothing. Verse 6. One day, Satan will be thrown into a lake of burning sulfur and will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. And this is also the destiny of everyone who refuses to trust in Jesus. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire, Revelation 20 and 15 tells us. In the end, every human empire will fall. Every human kingdom will will not be, be anything anymore. In the end, all fame and status and power and wealth will count for nothing. In the end, everyone who is not trusted in Jesus will stand before that great white throne and be condemned to suffer the consequence of their sin and rebellion against God. So no wonder Paul refused to go to Corinth And share the message of the wisdom of this world. No wonder he was not tempted to follow the ideas and the thoughts and the philosophies of his day. That wisdom couldn't help anybody get to know God. That wisdom could not help anybody find out the way of salvation. It could not help anybody prepare for eternity. And we too must not be fooled, deceived by the wisdom of our generation. We also must not adapt our message so that it fits with their thinking. We too must not look to the world to know what we should believe or how we should behave. That's because for all of the knowledge and all of the learning and all of the education that this world offers, It cannot tell us the truth about God. The world doesn't understand what God has done or what God will do. 
It cannot tell us how we can be right with God. And it cannot prepare us for eternity. Thank you very much, Maggie. It's a great song. So Paul refused to preach the wisdom of this age because he knew that they were ignorant of God. But that didn't mean that Paul rejected all kinds of wisdom. He said, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. The mature, or the perfect, as some translations put it, the ones here, they are not those who think they've arrived spiritually. They're not those who think that they've got everything sorted in their lives. After telling the Philippians about his desire to really know Christ and to live for him, Paul said this, Not that I have already obtained all all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So Paul recognised that he wasn't perfect. He had everything sorted in his life. But he was keeping on going, seeking after that, pressing on towards that. And then he said, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. So the mature here are those who are humble enough to know that they keep on falling short of the glory of God. But they're also committed to allowing God to continue his work of transforming them to become more and more like Jesus. The mature are disciples. They are believers in Jesus who are learning or who are growing. And this is what God wants us all to be. People who are growing, people who know ourselves, who know that we fall short of God's standard, who know our failings and our weaknesses, but who are committed to growing in our understanding of and our and our uh, likeness to Jesus. So with the mature, with the disciples, Paul spoke a message of wisdom. Not the wisdom of this world, but God's secret wisdom, verse 7, a wisdom that has been hidden. Paul's message was not something that he made up. It wasn't his ideas or his thoughts. It wasn't something that he had learned from this world. Rather, it was God's message. It was God's wisdom. But it was also God's secret wisdom. It was a mystery. Now that doesn't mean that it was something mysterious or strange or odd. But rather a mystery in the Bible is something that was hidden in the past. But has now been revealed. It was hidden from sight. But now it has been made known. And this wisdom was the gospel of Christ. Remember Paul in in chapter 2, verse 2, we read last week, he said this, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
This was Paul's message. This was the message of God's secret wisdom. I know that in this world, many people are looking for something new or different or original or unique. And this can impact the thinking of the church too. There are Christians today who are always saying things like, oh, God is doing something new today. And you need to go to this church or listen to this preacher or attend this conference to learn all about it or to experience it for yourself. We need to understand that God's secret wisdom has already been revealed. And it is Jesus Christ crucified. This is God's amazing good news that was hidden but has now been made known. There's nothing more that we need. So growing in our Christian life is not about moving on from the cross onto something new. Rather it's simply moving into a more profound understanding of the cross. And living out that reality in our everyday lives. And that's because the cross is God's plan that God destined for our glory before time began. As he said in verse 7. This was God's plan all along. Before time and space began, before God spoke light into existence, before we messed up our lives and this world, God's plan was always to send his son to the cross, to pay for our sins so that we could be completely forgiven, so that we could be declared righteous in God's sight, so that we could be adopted as his children, so that we could be united together into one family, so that we could one day be brought into his glorious presence and stay there forever. So it is true that this world has not seen or heard or imagined what God has planned for those who love him. But we as God's people know what God has planned. Because God has revealed it to us. The future may be a great unknown to this world. But as God's people, we know that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. As Paul says in the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 17. So this is the wisdom that Paul and God's people knew. Yes, they couldn't fully understand God. That's clear. God's thoughts are higher and greater and and more amazing than we could ever fully comprehend. That's why Paul quoted in verse 16, Who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? God's wisdom is far beyond what we could fully grasp. And yet Paul could also say, We have the mind of Christ. God's people don't fully understand God, but they can understand this world 
from Christ's perspective. God's people know that they are who they are in God's sight. God's people know the good news that Jesus came and went to the cross to save us. And God's people know that because of their simple faith in him, they are heading for the glory of God's presence forever. Do you know this? The world is ignorant of God. But God's people know him and the gospel and the glory that is to come. But how did all this happen? How did God's people, how did we come to know this reality? How do we know God's secret wisdom when so many other people just don't understand it? Well, it's not through our intelligence or our reason or our education. Rather, it's because God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who has worked in lives to open up blind eyes and soften hardened hearts. This is the only way that we can get to know God. Because only the Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. In the same way that no, none of us can know what somebody else is thinking. We can't read each other's minds. We can't understand that. Only the person themselves can fully understand what they're thinking. So no one understands. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. As Paul says in verse 11. And I think that's so important for us to understand and accept. Because I've heard so many people talk as if they know better who God really is. Maybe you've heard people say things like, eh, well, I don't think that God would say that. Maybe you've told them something in the Bible or something that the, 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 the Bible says and they say, well, I don't think God would ever say that. Or I don't think that God would ever do that kind of thing. As if they know better. But our thinking doesn't define God. We don't know God on our own. We can't just imagine or think or comprehend through our own reason who God really is. Only God knows his thoughts. And so only he can tell us who he is and what he's going to do. And the great news is that he has told us. Look at verse 12. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That we may understand what God has freely given us. The Holy Spirit is the indwelling presence of God. Who comes into our lives and reveals to us God's truth. So we can understand the wonderful free gift of salvation. And the means through which he does this. The means through which he reveals God's truth 
into our lives is through God's word. The Holy Spirit has spoken to us through the apostles. Verse 13. This is what we speak, Paul said. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. When Paul and the other apostles preached or or wrote their letters, they were speaking the Spirit-taught words of the Gospel. Spiritual truths in spiritual words. And today, we have these words in our Bible. This is the words that have been preserved for us in our New Testament. That doesn't mean, though, that we can just read this book and just work it all out for ourselves and get to know God. No, there's a a crucial thing that has to happen first. Because the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The Bible seems stupid and ridiculous to this world. The people who don't have the Holy Spirit within The people who have not trusted in Jesus. It just sounds like nonsense to them. But if we have put our trust in Jesus... If we have received the Holy Spirit into our lives and we are living in step with the Holy Spirit and allow him to open up our eyes and our hearts and teach us, then we can receive God's word today and we can understand his plan and purpose for our lives. We can know God In reality. So Paul says in verse 15. The spiritual man. That's the man with the Holy Spirit within him. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things. But he himself is not subject to man's judgment. This world is ignorant of God. It doesn't understand what he has done. Or what he will do. And so they think that we're crazy, that we don't understand anything. But we do not need to submit to their judgment. We do not need to adapt our beliefs to fit in with their ideas. We don't need to retreat in the face of their criticism or their ridicule. Instead, we can stand secure in our knowledge that we know who God is. And we know what he has done. We know that Jesus came into this world to save sinners like you and me. And that's not because of who we are, we know this. It's not because of how clever we are. It's not because of what we've done. But this is only through the the revelation of God's Holy Spirit, who's revealed to us God's thoughts through his word and has brought us in to his glorious presence. We have this wonderful privilege and honour today that we know God's secret wisdom, 
Jesus Christ and him crucified. So let's stand in that truth. Let's celebrate that truth. And let's confidently declare that truth to this world. For Jesus' glory. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you so much, Lord, that you have revealed your truth to us, Lord. Father, we look out into the world and listen to all of the things that they say, all of their ideas, all of their beliefs, all of their worldviews. And Lord, yes, we can see that the cleverness of human beings, the things that they have done, their, their knowledge and their, their learning and their education can be so far beyond what ours is, Lord. And yet, Lord, we realize they do not know you. They are ignorant of you. They're ignorant of what you have done. They're ignorant of your plan of salvation. And tragically, they're ignorant that they're on the road to a lost eternity. But Lord, we thank you that you have revealed your truth to us. You have let us see who Jesus truly is. You have let us see the cross and understood the reason for the cross. You've helped us to see that Jesus went to the cross to to pay for our sins, to rescue us, to bring us into this relationship with you. And you've opened up our hearts to this truth and you've given us that gift of faith. And that we've put our trust in you. And so we've come to know you personally in our lives. And this is all a wonderful gift from you, a gift by your Holy Spirit, Lord. We just thank you for your Holy Spirit who's revealed to us your truth, who's opened up our eyes and hearts and brought us into this knowledge of who you are and this relationship with you and this knowledge of what is to come, what you have prepared for those who love you, the glory that you have have destined us for. Father, we just thank you for this. We rejoice in it, Lord. We are humbled by it. Lord, help us to hold on to it. Help us not to to be silenced by this world. Help us not to, to, to cower in a corner, Lord. Help us to stand and declare this truth to this world. To, to unitedly stand a confident that we know you today because of your the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Help us to stand in the joy and the privilege of this. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.